So I had a really funny intro planned out, but it was an entirely visual gag. And because uh, unfortunately Austin has uh, beat the shit out of me and deformed me beyond repair, uh, I cannot be showing my face on camera. Uh, so instead, I, I, I have a dumb uh, thing I just came up with literally seven seconds ago as I was saying this sentence. So here we go. Arrakis is Arrakis. This is my pod, my bomb squad, my Dune cast. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Joseph Rennick. And back yet again, we have... I'm Joe J this time, baby. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes. Welcome back, Mr. J. Uh, he was on the podcast when we talked about Cowboy Bebop, and he only agreed because I wasn't on it. We had to trick him and tell him I was someone else in order for him to get on this one. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dune. We're talking about Dune. Sand. Dune. It's the blockbuster that even the film assholes on Twitter like. Because they're only allowed to like one of those a year, I guess. <laughs> it's, the, it's the movie that's sweeping the nation. It's the one movie that came out on HBO Max that isn't a box office bomb. Rip the Suicide Squad. See, everyone's talking about it. It's sand. It's a remake. It's a sequel. It's it's everything. It's Dune. Baby Dune. <laughs> it's Dune. Yeah, I was forced to put this on the schedule. If I had it my way, we would have put James Bond in here at some point. But sacrifices had to be made or else Austin would have killed me. Uh, before we move on to our thoughts on the film. I would like to uh, get into our uh, history with the Dune franchise, if you will. A book from the 60s, a book that a lot of people like. It's been adapted a few times. So I'm just kind of curious what kind of history you have with the franchise, if any, and just sort of what your expectations were going in. Uh, for this, I think we'll start with do, 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 Spinning Wheel Vrenik. Okay, so my history is kind of sort of limited to just the David Lynch movie and part of the book because I've actually not I, I've not read the entire book I'm still kind of going through it outside of that I've only seen the David Lynch movie which it is David Lynch's at least in my opinion second worst movie I'm not a lost highway guy what the fuck controversial I know I honestly don't have much to say about David Lynch's Dune. And frankly, neither does David Lynch, because David Lynch wants nothing to fucking do with it, to the point where people in interviews have been, like, baiting him to talk about this new Dune coming out, and he just refuses to say anything about it. Yeah, I think I saw that video of, like, at a student Q&A where he was asked about Dune, and he just kind of... I don't remember what he said, but it was basically the equivalent of fuck off. Uh, what about your expectations for the new one, Joe? They were reasonable at first, and then I saw that uh, first trailer in fucking IMAX, and I felt like I fucking ascended. And uh, I liked the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve. That man's been making nothing but bangers since... I, I love that dude's movies. Arrival is probably my favorite of his. I, I love Blade Runner 2049. People really like Sicario. I think that's a fine <laughs> film. So going in, I'm just like a fan of the guy's work. I like a lot of the cast. Minus one, who uh, we'll talk about a little bit later. I Something about this just felt like it, it was an event. Just the look of it was fucking huge. And I was just like, there's going to be something special about this and I need to see it on the biggest screen possible. And then I saw that IMAX trailer and I'm like, yep, that's IMAX rep. There, there's no way. So. All right. Moving on now to uh, Mr. Uh, Zwiebelman. Back in high school, I thought I read Dune and by the end of it, I was really moved and touched. And then my teacher hit me on the head with a ruler and I realized I've been reading The Kite Runner. <laughs> <laughs> So, flash forward when I was in college, believe it or not, I actually went to Mizzou for a year. It's a long story. I'm uh, so sorry. 
Yeah, this one far out math major guy had me like trapped in his basement and he was showing me this music video for a song called Bombay by El Guincho. And that led me to discovering the films of Alejandro Jodorowsky, El Topo and the Holy Mountain, which I completely love. And then one year after that, this documentary comes out called Jodorowsky's Dune. And uh, from that documentary, sort of like the historic importance of Dune hit me like a bag of bricks. Like, there are claims in that documentary that Jodorowsky's unmade Dune, like, led to the making of aliens in some capacity, inspired Star Wars, other things. Really big. Like, Dune was seeming like this influential prototype of many famous sci-fi movies. Alas, I couldn't actually be bothered to read it, and I heard the Lynch film was terrible. And so we flash forward to September 9th, 2020. I'm a huge fan of Denny Villeneuve, the guy who survived uh, three years earlier making a Blade Runner sequel that didn't make back double its $185 million budget. By some miracle, this man has made Dune. And the deal was sealed when I heard Hans Zimmer's cover of the 1973 Pink Floyd song Eclipse. At the end of the trailer, I was officially obsessed with the movie before it came out. Little footnote. Hell yeah. Yesterday for the podcast, I finally took the time to watch Lynch's Dune. And my guess is I would have hated it if I had read the book. But as things stand, I actually liked it a lot. Back to you, Tanner. Interesting. What you just said is right, Austin, but I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Uh, Mr. Mr. Joe, Joe J, I see you have that. Uh, is that a copy of Lynch's Dune right there? This is a VHS version yes. of David Lynch's Dune, which still has the slackers price tag on it. So oh, God it's bless. authentic. Yeah, so I started back way back in the day. I saw this film when I was like nine years old. And I like was at first was just like, what the fuck? Because I had seen like this. And I think a year before I saw 2001 when I was like eight and something. So I thought every film except for Star Wars that was like sci-fi and was like early fucking 80s and shit was like really weird and experimental. I was just like, okay, this is just one of those cool sci-fi movies from like the 70s. I also have a copy somewhere of the John Harrison Dune miniseries from 2000s. I think it's like a Hallmark special or something kind of similar style as Dinotopia. I don't know if people know what that is. I remember Um, Dinotopia. um, Yeah, so it kind of reminds me of those like not quite the Star Wars prequels, but like, you know, kind of same similar feel as them. And I thought it was better than the Lynch film. I think it was more faithful um, overall to the book. It was better paced over like three hours versus just the two hour runtime here. I've also read like a third of the novel. So actually up until I think a little bit before like the end of this current film here. I've also seen a few clips of the Odorowski documentary like he was going to I've seen Holy Mountain. If he had made Dune, cinema would have been completely changed. Going into this new one, I saw the director. I was like, oh, Denis Villeneuve is like one of the perfect fits for this because he just remade Blade Runner, which like according to the people on Letterboxd is like, I think the same quality as the OG Blade Runner from the 80s. So I'm like, this guy knows how to like just adapt something and basically take what everything we love about this property and kind of like remake it. But I also find it interesting that the two predecessors of Dune were very avant-garde directors. And I think it's kind of refreshing to see kind of like a hard side 
sci-fi kind of like by the books director kind of tackled this film because it's kind of like interesting to see a more fateful adaption to the book because I know Vyodorovsky especially took very creative liberties when they were making those. So it's interesting to see Frank Herbert's like original vision kind of take the screen because uh, David Lynch's Dune and Jodorowsky's are just so different. So going into it, I kind of felt like we were in good hands. All right. So in high school, I was a very avid reader. I would read, 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 mostly uh, some fiction, but a lot of nonfiction. In college, I didn't read as much. I was too busy being sad And uh, also making movies, I guess. But I did have the time to read two fiction books for the first time that were new to me. One of those was Ready Player One. And I really loved that. And when I found out they were making a movie of that, I went and saw it. really loved that movie. The other new fiction book I read was Dune. Uh, No offense to Ernest Cline or maybe full offense, depending on how you feel about him. Ready Player One is not Dune. Dune (laughs) is a significantly, significantly better book. And I like Ready Player One, but Dune just outclasses it in every conceivable level. I really fell in love with Dune. So I went back and I went, oh, man, David Lynch, this filmmaker I love, this filmmaker I think has never made a bad movie. He made a version of Dune. Oh, boy, let's get it. And I hated it. I think it's horrible. I absolutely despise David Lynch's Dune. It is dog shit in ways I cannot understand how a filmmaker of his caliber could make a movie that inconceivably terrible. It's almost impressive how bad it is. I could do a better job and I'm an idiot. To be fair, David Lynch feels the same. Yeah, so I mean, he, he he's not hurt by my words. I'm pointing to Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> I also don't really blame Lynch. It sounds like there was a lot of studio bullshit. I'm not super familiar with the production history, but it sounds like it wasn't really his fault. It's just disappointing from someone. I can't believe the guy that made fucking Mulholland Drive made that version of Dune. Holy shit. I also went back and saw the sci-fi miniseries. And to this day, I am the only person I know who has seen that miniseries. It's fine. It's not a uh, super impressive, but it's a fairly faithful adaptation and it's pretty entertaining. But because it's a sci-fi S-Y-F-Y miniseries from the turn of the century. Let me tell you, you know special effects? Boy, special effects from TV shows in the year 2000 have not aged well. They have aged very badly. It's impressive. Like, some of the effects still kind of hold up, but anything digital looks bad. So, you hear all this. You hear me say how I think the previous adaptations were disappointing and how much I love the Book of Dune. You would think I was excited for the new Dune, right? Yeah. Wrong. Because uh, first off, I have long maintained a belief that Dune is kind of unadaptable, at least as a movie. I have always felt that it was too dense, especially because of how much the book relies on inner monologue. I didn't think that would ever effectively translate. For two, uh, I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't like Blade Runner 2049 all that much. It's not bad by any means, and I most certainly grew to appreciate it more when I watched it a second time. But I don't think it's all that impressive, and I think it's largely a retread of the first Blade Runner. I like Denise's other movies before that, but Blade Runner I really wasn't impressed with. And it's kind of, for me, it's sometimes it's a what have you done for me lately thing. So I was a little skeptical going into Doom. And the trailers didn't impress me all that much. Because I thought they looked a little messy in parts. I thought the sense of scale didn't look right in the trailers. Until about two months ago, when Vrenik and I went to see Shang-Chi opening night in IMAX. And before it, Dune played the trailer for it in IMAX. And something kind of clicked 
I still had some nits to pick. I still think the sandworm looked too small in the trailer. But otherwise, I, I kind of I saw something there and I went, I kind of get it now. So I let myself get a little excited. But for the most part, I was uh, the, the Dune skeptic of the group, uh, not confident in this movie at all and was skeptical of its chances of ever being good. Now that we have uh, talked about our expectations going in, it's time to know what did you think about my desert, my Arrakis, my Dune. What did you guys think of the movie overall? <laughs> we'll start with Austin. Before going into Dune, I asked myself, what if this movie isn't going to be a super popular blockbuster or a rival to Star Wars? Then I thought, great movies don't seek to dominate pop culture. They're called to it. You can't force a meme. And if Dune's answer is no, it'll still be the only thing I ever needed it to be. An excuse not to read if I didn't feel like it. <laughs> Do I have the authority to fire you? In short, it was interesting because it, it sort of feels like this installment's goal wasn't to be fun, which is odd considering how much work people put into making movies fun these days. Like, it was meant to inspire awe and a sense of dread and a thirst for retribution and a thirst in general, mostly for water. This movie made me so thirsty when I saw it in the movie theater. But it wasn't fun per se, which is odd among blockbusters. I think the main reason, because you get it around the internet, everyone's telling people, go see Dune and IMAX. I think it's interesting because it's so easy to articulate why, at least on my end. Like, the main reason I tell people, go see Dune in IMAX in a theater, actually, even though the visuals are breathtaking, a lot of it was filmed on location in, like, real deserts. Like, the desert they filmed The Force Awakens in, you know? Really good stuff. The reason I tell people to go see it in IMAX is actually the sound. You know, it was really something going in and desperately wanting this movie to be good enough. And then, like, Paul's asking for a glass of water. And I'm sitting there like, okay, it's early. And then, boom, my whole fucking theater is shaking like somebody blew up the lobby. That's the first time I went, oh, okay, this is definitely going to be a ride. Uh, I rewatched it today on TV to make sure that it's, like, you know, a good movie, even if you're not seeing it in theaters. And it held up surprisingly well. Like, I know frighteningly little about this IP or the book. And I'll admit that a story that suggests, like, a whole planet can be conditioned by this coven of, like, psychic ladies to accept some rich teenager as their actual religious messiah. Like, that's some really good sci-fi. Uh, politics in Dune, like, extend to fabricating religious events over centuries, which is complicated in a way that reminds me of the real world. Sometimes it feels like Herbert wasn't just writing sci-fi, he was writing philosophy, which is, is fun. And uh, as somebody who had to envy Lord of the Rings fans for the past two decades now, because I don't necessarily enjoy fantasy on the same level I enjoy sci-fi, I am very pleased to be here at Ground Zero for this huge story. I can't wait to see more. Back to you, Tanner. All right. Thank you very much, Austin. Oh, I'm a morning radio DJ. Joe Frederick, what did you think of Dune? Here's what I thought about Dune. All I've right, seen thank it you, twice. Joe Reddick. We'll be moving. No, I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you, Tanner. I wish you uh, would. So I've seen Dune twice now, kind of like Austin. I saw it in IMAX for the first time, and then I watched it on HBO Max this morning on my TV. I still really like it. I'm honestly kind of happy that we got this huge fucking dense science fiction movie made on like a high budget and with like insane fucking special effects because I'm not going to lie with sci-fi movies I've been kind of craving just like 
massive uh, ball risk taking science fiction films as of late. This is the thing I've been waiting for for a very long time when it comes to that, because man, oh man, does this thing. It is so goddamn lore heavy and it doesn't fucking care. I was talking to a friend of mine about it because my friend Brooke Kinsley, friend of the podcast, um, we wound up talking about it because she's got a thing for Timothy Chalamet and I was asking her if she had seen it. I'm honestly not surprised that people are going to be turned off by this movie. She wasn't a big fan of it. She thought it was boring, but man, oh man, I... I don't know what to say to that. Part of, part of me gets it because, yeah, this thing is super fucking dense. That being said, the spectacle of this thing is impressive. Like, if, if there's one thing to walk away from with this movie, you cannot tell me that this movie is not just spectacular to look at. And also just that world, too. I kind of want to I wanted to stay in that world for a while, but we're going to have to wait for part two for that. Mm hmm. Outside of everything else, performances were great. Uh, I actually really liked the Hans Zimmer music this time. Hans Zimmer's been kind of hit or miss for me over the years. Th- this time I really liked it, especially the uh, the Sardukar uh, throat singing chants, which have since become a meme. And I'm like, why, why is this terrifying music a meme now? Why? <laughs> um, performances except for one doesn't really affect the movie she's not even in it zendaya i think she's horribly miscast but performance wise i I think everyone was pretty good in it i really fucking dug it austin had mentioned lord of the rings this movie feels like akin to a movie like that i think depending on how part two goes i think we're gonna see as close to a recreation to the lord of the rings trilogy on cinema if part two goes well probably not on the same level as lord of the rings but something feels very special about this like i'm 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 excited to see where this goes all right uh joe i'm gonna push back on something you just said i honestly how the hell she's in the movie for five minutes what do you mean (laughs) miscast no i don't think that's a valid opinion i don't think you know enough about her performance to say that i disagree but whatever keep going Five minutes. <laughs> we will fight about this later, Tanner. Oh, who says that? Maybe I want to go before him. I am uh, Barry Conan. I am taking over this do. podcast. All right, there we go. And now that Joe Frenick's been muted, we can finally move on here. All right, uh, Joe J, what'd you think of Dune? So I kind of planned to come in today to not only talk about the new one, but also kind of be like, hey, David Lynch's Dune is not that bad. Because I, when I watched it for the Lynch binge, hold up, when I watched it for the Lynch binge, I was like, oh, wow, there's actually some good stuff. I think this is kind of a Blade Runner scenario. If you could re-edit parts of it, like, you know, it would be a fine movie. After I saw Dune 2021, get that fucking shit out of here. We can forget about 84 forever. Dune 2021 is the best Dune film by far, uh, it just it just showing up to the plate. It is automatically better than I think anything else. Sci-fi one graphics are okay, but they're not great. I think eighty four has like I, I really like Kenneth McMillan, and that's the only thing I will defend about eighty four because he looks like he's having a fucking blast as Baron Harkonnen. But you don't really need to v- revisit eighty four or touch eighty four after seeing this new one. This new one is just everything that I wish was eighty four had done better. 
in form. The visuals were just so impressive. I felt like Villeneuve also kind of incorporates that kind of playing with time that David Lynch was kind of doing with the dream sequences. Um, a little bit more straightforward, not as surrealistic, but I think they kind of made more sense in the grand scheme of the story because it is a very dense film. Like this film is very dense. There's a lot of information, but I loved how he presented that where in the old film, one of my biggest things I hate about it is there's all these like voiceovers and stuff that will come on that will exactly tell you what's going on on screen. Like it'll be like, oh, a poison dart is about to hit me or something like that. Where in this film, it's like you learn about a concept like you learn someone will explain how a shield works. But then like later on in the film, you'll actually see the practical applications. And whenever Paul's getting attacked by the assassin drone, there's just a close up of the shield. So it's like, hey, using visuals to communicate stuff is good show don't tell it's good storytelling and I, I really really appreciated how they kind of almost taught you this crash course on like all the dune stuff in doing so is it's monumental because dune's got a lot of different concepts and a lot of different worlds but i felt like even casual viewers can come into this and kind of still get what's going on i think this is like one of the only films to truly capture like you know those sci-fi book covers that you see on like the 99 cents section like really just everything about it the scale is just great it reminded me a lot of um, one of the biggest inspirations Dune would go on to inspire would be, I think, the tabletop game Warhammer 40K, which I don't play that, but I love the lore to death because it's just fucking batshit. I could definitely see kind of the, the inspirations kind of wrapping around and that sense of scale being present throughout the film. Uh, one of the biggest things I have about the Lynch film is I think the characters almost kind of seem a little bit robotic. They're over the line, under the line, over the top performances, kind of underplayed performances. But I feel like everywhere the cast just kind of delivers something where I actually like felt for these characters and stuff, even though I don't think we really got to know them that deep you know i think paul was like the only one we kind of got to know really deep um i read like a roger ebert review where it's like it's more so like archetypes kind of like star wars but for me and for what it was i think it definitely worked i know you guys have mentioned lord of the rings but what i actually thought it seemed like was game of thrones and it was kind of like game of thrones in space and as someone who has seen all seven seasons of game of thrones i'm not counting season eight because i was about to say hold on a minute <laughs> i haven't i haven't seen season eight and i'm just kind of have those nice memories of daenerys sailing towards the mainland and be like oh man they just canceled the show due to whatever and we don't have a season eight but i think dune was very nice and i think a lot of people who like thrones and used to like thrones should definitely jump on this series because you have a lot of thrones energy there's a lot of amazing concepts the battle sequences are great a lot of great characters i don't think we go into as deep as a lot of game of thrones does just because game of thrones has like way more time to kind of explore each character individually but um for what it is just check out dune it's great on the spectacle and one of the biggest critiques i have is you mentioned austin about herbert writing a lot about like philosophical themes and stuff I felt like the because of the density of the information, those themes were kind of hard to discern. It was all over the place in terms of just because of how big the film was. But that's more me trying to grasp at like what it could have done better. And I think it does kind of sacrifice like 
the more clear cut themes for the scale. But I think that sacrifice is really pays off and you get this beautiful visual sci-fi movie. I kind of have two favorite moments of the film. I have kind of like my film analysis moment and I have like the fucking awesome, like just balls to the wall moment. The film analysis, I really love the scene where Paul's in the tent and Paul is like, oh man, I'm going to become this like killer going forward. And I was like, oh, they're kind of spoiling this. But I'm like, wait, no, this is about Paul reacting to his future and going emotionally deeper into that. So I really loved that. And I hope that continues on for part two. And I guess my kind of like just enjoyment moment, the scene where fucking Josh Brolin is running into battle and those fucking bagpipes start playing. I was just like, hell yeah, we need more battle scenes like this shit. That was one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. And then they cut off like three seconds later. But I was like, no, those three seconds were perfect. So long story short, I don't think Doom is kind of like the next cinematic breakthrough like the next um i guess parasite or whatever people have that are like big cinematic stuff but i definitely think um it's my favorite film of the year grant i've only seen three films so but i definitely think it's really fun if you're a game of thrones fan or if you just want to like watch a bunch of epic sci-fi go see it it's really really fun Uh, speaking of your game of thrones uh thing mr j uh, yes. Mr. J, what the fuck are you? The Joker? Mr. J! Uh, Mr. Anyway, J. Uh, both have Jason Momoa. <laughs> they do, yes. I'm going to immediately contrast myself with Joe J here, uh, how he's mentioned this is his favorite movie of the year and he's only seen three. I have seen uh, 90 <laughs> new releases in 2021 so far. Yes. Uh, this one ranks about 33rd. I think I'm the most... Yeah. I, I think it's great. I think it's great. I want to say that. But I have a confession, guys. Something weird happened when I saw it, when saw it in my theater. Um, the movie was going along and the second act was about to end and then the movie just cut the credits. It was really weird. Like my screening didn't have a third act and I went online and I like, I tried to see a camera, but apparently this was a widespread issue because I can't find a version of this movie that has a third act. Not even the version on HBO Max has a third act. It's really weird. Uh, did, 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 have you heard of this issue guys? Wait, did you see Dune or Dune part one? There was a limited screening of Dune Part 1. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's Part 1. So I'm starting off with my biggest issue of the movie, which is that it feels like a fundamentally unfinished story. And I, I'm forgiving of it because Paul has just enough of an arc that it works for me, first off. And secondly, it says Part 1 at the beginning. I can't get too mad of it for being a literal Part 1. But at the same time, I think we have seen many of movies that are distinctly a Part 1 that still feel like their own whole. Fellowship of the Ring. Infinity War. Those are just two big blockbuster examples that are clearly part ones, but also feel like definitive, like they can be their own thing. Dune part one, it doesn't really feel like it has an ending. It kind of feels like it meanders a little, kind of like Halloween Kills, but not nearly as bad. Other than that, I think this movie was great. I don't think it's this revolutionary Pete of cinema art. I think part two has the potential to be because that's where the real freaking meat and potatoes of the story are. But this movie was great. Uh, I think all the action set scenes are really great, uh, with the exception of the way Denis Villeneuve uh, shoots hand-to-hand combat. He has Christopher Nolan syndrome, in which he is not very good at shooting close-up hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> Just to pick some nits. But, you know, this, I love the scenes of them going off into the desert. I love the way the shields look. It's actually very similar to how I imagined they would look when I read the book. 
I just want to shout that out. The shields, the costume design, the production design, all the technical aspects of this film are just absolutely on point. I have nothing but incredibly nice things to say about all those aspects. The performances across the board, I think, are all really great. I wasn't too sure about Timothy Chalamet as Paul, but now I'm, I've am i been proven wrong. I think he could handle it. Uh, I do want to point out, though, this is more of a thing about the book. Isn't it really funny that the Messiah and future God Emperor of the universe's name is just Paul? <laughs> You're Messiah! You're God Emperor! Paul. <laughs> yes, Paul. Th- think of it like this. The Messiah in the Matrix movies is named Tom. Yeah, but he has Neo. That doesn't work. What does Paul have? <laughs> Paul doesn't have a he Neo thought, nickname. I thought he was the Quizak Hatterak slash Madib slash Wowdib. There we go. There we go. That's where we fucking go. Um, really, the, just the look of this film is really where it stands out. It is a very beautiful film. Uh, I do think the film suffers largely in character work because outside of Paul, it doesn't really feel like anybody has an arc. And outside of Duncan, Idaho, it doesn't really feel like anyone has a personality. Um, But that's largely faithful to the book. I think the book, because it has so much of this internal monologue, is able to kind of inject a little more life into it. And the movie doesn't really have that advantage. But I think the performances mostly help it shine through. Yeah, this is a good movie. It's a good adaptation. I remember my first thoughts coming out of the theater was, damn, it sucks there and he's not going to be allowed to make a part two because this part one was great. And then lo and behold, they greenlit the sequel. So I was very happy to be wrong. I'm glad we're going to get a part two to this. That's the one I think I'm really excited about. That one has potential. But this movie, this is a great movie. I do just think it's a little overhyped by people who feel like they don't let themselves like blockbusters anymore. Nobody here. Joe V isn't like this, of course, but there are people on Twitter and other places in the internet who seem to just hate every blockbuster, but this is the one they let themselves like? I don't know. I don't think it's that spectacular. I don't even think it's the best blockbuster of the year. Yeah, but it is great, and I think the fact that I've seen like 10 movies since I've seen this one, and this one still has a lot of imagery that strikes out in my head, I think is a testament to its strength. I do recommend it. See it in IMAX. For the love of God, see it at IMAX. The sense of scale is unparalleled, uh, except I still think the worms look too small. I don't know what it is. I wish the worms looked bigger. (laughs) That's fair. All right. So this is a blockbuster movie. This is a big movie. This is a movie with a sense of scale, like I was just saying. So I just kind of want to know, Joe J, you already kind of talked about this, but I'm going to I'm going to bully you into saying more. (laughs) Uh, A favorite scene, favorite moment from the movie. Go. I guess, honestly, like the rescue scene in general, it it felt like a legit action set piece. And Dune's kind of this more like thoughtful and philosophical like blockbuster. But like that was just pure like intensity. I wish that they had made David Lynch have a cameo just as the spice operator, just to kind of like put a nod to the old one. But, you know, that's my only like nitpick. But otherwise, like everything worked, the tension, how he kind of find it out about the spice at the end of the scene, transitioning into the visions is like, oh, my gosh, just everything about that scene works so beautifully. All right. Austin, what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene was also the rescue because I liked how um, Leto, you know, right before he he doesn't know this, but he's going to die. He finally gets to do pilot stuff like he always wanted to. uh, And and his kindness is on display and how much he cares about people. And it's also the first time that you get to see this platform that they constructed that vibrates the sand under the actors. So you see, I think it's Josh Brolin and Chalamet, their feet are just getting like swallowed up by this crazy sand. And I, I think that looks amazing and i'm happy they did it practically that worm in imax was pretty big for me 
Um, I also wish that David Lynch has been the spice operator because, you know, they went so far as to take a nod to Jodorowsky by having Pink Floyd somehow tangentially related to this. What with the first trailer? Because Jodorowsky wanted Pink Floyd to, like, score his version of the movie or whatever. And, yeah, it would have been nice if they invited Lynch over. But I bet he was too busy smoking cigarettes and talking about how producing television fucking sucks. All right, that's that's my scene. That or just the scene where everything's exploding. I love that from like a VFX standpoint. Two thousand computers died just doing Houdini for years, making that scene. That's true. I was one of those computers. Joe Frank, what was right. your favorite scene in this movie? This movie did one thing that I absolutely wanted it to do. I wanted to hear the phrase "damn the spice." Oscar Isaac fucking says "damn the spice." I got hyped. I'm going to say my my favorite scene. Firstly, the very fucking opening title card of this scarred me. I'm someone who has like very ominous nightmares that sometimes are premonitions. And then having the title card of this just be a black background and just this throat singing where the subtitle is dreams are messages from the deep. Not too long after I had a fucking nightmare that felt like a premonition and is kind of coming true that scarred the shit out of me moving on to the the scene that i'm actually going to talk about a little bit more the suit a car suit up scene where they have like the priest on the pillar like he's doing his throat singing and they're doing like that whole uh ritual thing with the blood on their forehead talk about not just like a sense of scale for like this antagonistic army of just powerful soldiers but you have like that music in the background. You have them chanting. It's fucking terrifying. You like this should be taught in film schools on how to uh, make your antagonists seem like the most terrifying force known to man. And just that atmosphere alone even is worth talking about because it's genuinely like some of the creepiest stuff I've seen in a sci-fi movie in a hot minute. All right. Uh, my favorite scene, uh, it, to me, it's pretty obvious. It's the scene where uh, Duncan Idaho uh, fends off all of those attackers while giving time for Paul and his mother and the uh, guide uh, to escape. I was critiquing the hand to held scenes earlier, except for that. That scene killed. I love the way it was shot. I love the way it was edited. Jason Momoa has such a ferocious energy in every performance he brings, and it just works so perfectly in this one. I, I absolutely loved his character, and I loved that scene for him. And uh, fun fact, uh, this is going to be funny, but for those of you who have read the book or know anything about that character, uh, Jason Momoa arguably has the most job security out of any of these actors, uh, which is very <laughs> funny considering he just died. He, he comes back as a Gola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has the most job security here, which is real funny. Other than that, I also want to shout out the moment where uh, Oscar Isaac bites the gas pill. That shit rules. That was baller as hell. All right. Final question before Trivia Corner, guys. And this one's a literal rapid fire question. Three words or less. Are you excited for Dune Part 2? Vrenik, go. They need to say walk without rhythm and it won't attract the worm. Yes. Walk without rhythm and we won't attract the worm. It was like 20 words, but it's okay. I don't care. Austin. <laughs> Austin, go. Extremely fucking excited. Hell yeah. Joe J, go. Excited, but we'll see. Just, I'm sorry, I'm going to elaborate. Real quick. No, no, keep going. <laughs> but um, when Tanner mentioned that the movie did not have a third act, I kind of want to go further than that. I thought it ended at act one. God, you know what? That's fair. There are two more acts coming afterwards because in the monomyth, he's just entered into like the new kind of area, which I know Dune is kind of like one of the quintessential monomyths. 
I've also heard this is not going to be a trilogy because part three is this going to be a trilogy, but the Dune first book is only going to be two movies because apparently part three is supposed to be an adaption of the Dune Messiah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great, but I'm worried that they're going to go too crazy with it. If, if they make it three movies, I will be a lot better. Yeah, I understand thinking this one's... I kind of wanted to call this just a first act because it does feel entirely set up for the rest of the story, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be too mean. So thank you for saying it for me. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> As for me, yes, we can. We are moving on to everyone's uh, favorite section of the podcast. Tanner's Trivia Corner. Uh, when I went to look up trivia for this one, uh, I was surprised there was not as much as I thought there would be, especially because a movie like Halloween Kills, the last podcast I hosted, was literally brim- filled to the brim with trivia. Meanwhile, I have maybe like 10 or 12 things here, and uh, Austin said one of them by bringing up the <laughs> Pink Floyd thing. So thanks, buddy. Love you. But we have plenty of fun stuff here, starting off with, as you all know, Hans Zimmer scored this film. He agreed to score this film because he is a big fan of the novel. He turned down working on Tenet the Christopher Nolan movie, to work on this film. I think this worked out for the best. I don't think Zimmer's style would have worked for Tenet as much as um, Ludwig Gohansen. I think that's how you say his name. His score for Tenet worked way better, and I think Zimmer is the best choice for this movie. We talked a lot about David Lynch uh, and how he uh, refuses to uh, acknowledge this movie. He has stated explicitly he has zero interest in this movie and cited uh, because of his experience with the last movie. Denis Villeneuve saw Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, Stellan Skarsgård's character, as a rhino in human form. And because of this, Skarsgård had to spend seven hours a day in a makeup chair applying makeup for his role, Uh, which is honestly surprising because, I don't know, his face looked pretty normal to me aside from all the gray. But props to the makeup artist because there's probably a lot of subtle stuff that I was too dumb to notice. God bless. The scenes on the ocean world of Caladan, which were, you know, uh, were shot on in Stadlerden, Norway, <laughs> and much of the desert scenes of Arrakis were shot in Jordan and Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. That's right, baby. Abu Dhabi. If you, if you want to film in the desert, uh, Abu Dhabi is pretty much the place to be. <laughs> Uh, I think this is kind of funny. In Dune's version, uh, the Harrikin were depicted as red-haired people. In this movie, they're depicted as bald. I don't know what that means, but uh, I think this means that uh, David Lynch understands that uh, red-headed people are not the devil bald people are. Uh, sorry, Bruce Willis. This is actually Denis Villeneuve's first time being a producer on a film he directs. This is the first time producing one of his own films, which makes a lot of sense. He was really heavily involved in the pre-production process. He was heavily involved in every facet. He has talked a lot in interviews how this was the movie he has always wanted to make. He wanted to make Doom. The helmets of the Hurricane soldiers were based on the heads of insects. Makes sense. You can see it. Oddly enough, uh, this is a fun one in terms of actor connections. Javier Bardem is now the third Bond villain to play the character of Stilgar in a Dune adaptation as he was the villain of Skyfall. He follows Octopussy's Stephen Burkoff in Children of Dune miniseries and licensed the kills Everett McGill in Dune 1984. Furthermore, Max von Sedow also played Leek Kins in Dune and Bond's arch enemy Blowfield in the unofficial Bond film Never Say Never Again. It's all connected, baby. Dune is actually a Bond film. Did you know this? Fun fact. No time to Dune. There's no, to there, there no time to Dune. Oh, God. Just a brief pause on trivia. The greatest joke about this movie ever told was, I love Dune. 
doing your mom. Absolutely incredible masterwork of comedy. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson plays Timothy Chalamet's mother. Do you guys know how old Rebecca Ferguson is? She's not that she's, old. She's, she's like 37. 30. Timothy yeah. Chalamet's 25. There's so a 12 like, year age gap. So it's like porn. You know, it's, it's like it doesn't. God bless. Well, there was that one scene where <laughs> they're undressing. Yeah. Yeah. And she looks at him weird. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> the producers originally wanted Emma Roberts to play the role of Princess Erlen. Uh, but the star gave up because of the busy schedule. I believe that refers to the film. And finally, this is, I think, my favorite bit of trivia. And since we have time here, I think I would like us to discuss this for a few minutes, only because of how absolutely hilarious it sounds. In 2007, Paramount began development on a proposed film adaptation of Dune. They had two people that were attached. They had Joshua Zatumer as a screenwriter. More importantly, the director they had attached to the movie was none other than Peter Berg. Lone survivor. Peter Berg. You may know him from any movie Mark Wahlberg has been in from the past 10 years. Or perhaps the movie that he left the Dune adaptation to make, Battleship. Yep, that's right. Peter Berg left Dune to make Battleship. You know, it's, it's moments like these that make me realize I'm really not all that stupid. At this point, you okay, Joe? No, I'm not. That's incredible. Pierre Morel took over as director. I have no idea who the fuck that is. I'm going to be 100% with you guys. Chase Palmer was writing the script. Morel dropped out of the film in November of 2010, and eventually Paramount put the film on turnaround so long that the rights had lapsed. I want us to talk about this, guys. What is Peter Berg's Dune like? Does does Mark Wahlberg play Paul, even if he's too old for it? I want to imagine that Mark Wahlberg plays Paul, even though he's too old for it. And there are some uncomfortable racial connotations the entire time because of it. That's Peter Berg's Dune, right? It'll also look like a, a discount Michael Bay movie because that man really wants to be Michael Bay. Uh, also, instead of deserts, it'll be shot inside a very large Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Color grade, bl- everything orange. Everything orange. <laughs> everything orange. Everything orange. It's the most Bostonian film ever. Hey. Yeah, Peter Berg's Dune. What the fuck? That, I want to live in a world where that happened because that's hilarious. It would probably be terrible, but it would be hilarious. Hey, Duncan, I've been having dreams about this super hot fucking chick in the desert. You gotta <laughs> see this shit. And, Duncan, and then Duncan Idaho comes back. You like apples? <laughs> <laughs> this is after he's been infiltrating the Fremen. Do you like apples? Because I just got it. <laughs> and then he like, he, he takes, he, the number is the suit. The number is the Fremen suit you wear. <laughs> Uh, I just got her suit. Yeah. Oh, God. Boston Excellence Dune would be called Doing Your Mom with the subtitle. They would make that joke in the film. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Ironically, they would We have to get all the boss. Matt Damon, uh, Matt Damon plays uh, the dad. Uh, ben Affleck plays the Rebecca Ferguson character. We'll make it work. Um <laughs> I'm looking at Boston uh, actors. Uh, uh, ben Simmons, the podcaster, he plays the Baron. <laughs> no, actually, isn't James Spader from Boston? Or from Boston? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll get Spader for this. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. I forgot he's Boston. Uh, David Ortiz plays Duncan Idaho. Uh, you could mocap Leonard Nimoy. 
Uh, now we're talking. Godspeed. <laughs> this will be the greatest movie ever. All right, guys. Enough about Peter Berg's Dune. We've been talking about Denis Vanilla Way's Dune Part 1. Final thoughts on the movie. Mr. Joe J, go. Great film. Uh, speaking of Yodorowsky's Dune, I want to give a quick shout out uh, to an upcoming project that not he is doing, but is directed by Taika Waititi. Oh, this thing. Yodorowsky's Dune was canceled. Uh, he basically took all of his uh, material and was like, I'm going to make comic books. And he made The Incall and he made Meta Barons. And apparently now Taika Waititi is adapting The Incall. I've only read one chapter of it, but it looks like uh, if Terry Gilliam directed Blade Runner on acid. So please go support that. I don't really know where they're going to get all the money from because it's an independent publisher, but we'll see. All right, Mr. Joe Vrenick, final thoughts on Dune. Go. Great movie. See it on the biggest screen possible. Don't regret missing it on the biggest screen possible. Really liked it. Really wish that they said walk without rhythm. It won't attract the worm and then had fat boy slim play in the background, though. All right, Austin, final thoughts on Dune. That's one for one. One of three. I'm assured Denny Villeneuve is going to get to make three of these things. They're going to be the best sci-fi movies of the decade. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. (laughs) Everything's going to be fucking great. These are going to go down in history. I love Dune. The phrase little death hits different after I've seen the last duel. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, Dune's great. Uh, It's a great blockbuster. Uh, try to don't don't go in expecting this movie to change your life because I, I, I don't think it's that great, but it is great. Just know you're going to get a movie that feels a little incomplete, but is ultimately a great movie with just some spectacular visuals. You know what else has some spectacular visuals? You, because you are such a such a beautiful human being. Thank you oh so very much for watching slash listening to this podcast. If you are listening on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you oh so very much for listening. Please go ahead and leave a review. It helps boost us in the algorithm. And if you are watching this podcast on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. Go down to the comments below and let us know what did you think of Dune 2021? Are you excited to see a part two? What did you think of Dune 1984? Is the sci-fi channel still on on net on like cable packages? I don't know. Is that channel shut down? Can you let me know? I'm, I'm really not too sure. And is G4 coming back? I don't know. Yeah, Comment below and let us know. And while you're down there, please hit the like button so you know how much we like you like us. We, we know how much you, you hit the like button, damn it. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you can know exactly when we upload new videos. Thank you oh, oh, so very much for watching. Make sure you tune in next week when we talk about Eternals, a movie I refuse to tell the others my opinions about because I'm hoping to surprise them. See you guys next time. Peace, bitches.